Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. It's Friday night and it's 8 o'clock or a little bit after. Long week. We've got Chris Van Tassel from J-Rocket Audio Designs. Chris, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm awesome, man. Thanks for joining us. Dave, how are you? Uh, it's been a long week. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, we yeah. had a... Uh... Over in the other room here, we got Sammy Bowler that's working in the studio next to me. <laughs> What's he doing? Oh, he's here. He's here for two weeks, actually. He's been crashing on my couch. Nice. Do you have a recording studio attached? We do have a recording studio in here. Yes, we do. I didn't know that. Yeah, we do. And he, yeah, he's been. He's had a. He, he's going to do some. Uh, Playthrough videos for his album that's coming out. He's going to do, uh, do a video with Michael Nielsen. Oh, nice. Going, I don't know. Other than that, he's been working on tabs for his whole entire record and wanting to pull his hair out. Why is he <laughs> is doing he gonna, that? Is he going to recreate that Billy Squire video from the 80s where he's all dressed in pink dancing around the bedroom? I'll suggest that, but I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that would be a wise move for his career. Yeah, or maybe it would be these days. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it would be a funny spoof. That would be hilarious. <laughs> well, Billy, Billy, or Billy Squire could come out today and say, "I don't identify as that guy anymore." <laughs> wait, wait, wait! He really did? Yeah, like that video. He admits just completely destroyed his career. Yeah, he did. If you watch the video, you're gonna go, "Yeah, I get it." Well, I get it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's too bad. He, he was great. He was great. That early, that early era with Jeff Gollum on guitar and and everything. Oh man, he was great. It was great. Oh yeah, Jeff Gollum. Jeff Gollum died, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Oh wow. So many people from that era. Uh, did they were Did they record in Sound City? I don't really know. No, I think it would have been New York, probably. I guess. Well, I, you know, I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, I don't know. Just the the sound of the production just sounded familiar, you know. But <clears throat> like you said, great guitar work. Oh yeah. I remember learning that stroke me tune. It was great. Yeah, I still play Lonely as the Night. It's just a raw it was a raw opened up Marshall in a great studio with tape. Yeah. It just sounded like it had that crang to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Lonely as the night, the opening riff. Come on. Yeah, it's it's, it's Led Zeppelin. It's, it sounds yeah. a lot. What's that, Chris? I, I had some some of the I don't know. I'll call them Nashville type players over the other day, and um, we just took a hundred watt old 1970 Marshall and just cranked it. I don't think these guys had ever heard that in their lives, and you just see their entire. Uh, lives just changed with that moment. They're like, Seriously? <laughs> this exists. It was so loud, but I mean, you just can't replace that sound. That was that day that I, I said I'd plug the ape in. Oh, oh, yeah, the ape into the 100 watt uh, RGS and the other one or whatever you had there. Yeah, and oh man, I'm still a little bit deaf, so I'm, if I'm yelling at you, that's why. <laughs> well, the key and, is to face the cabinet away from you. Not, yeah, not yeah. anywhere. It's, it's like where I'm sitting. It would be I put the cabinet other side of the room, facing away from me. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's funny because I've got 
you remember how you had referred me to uh, what's it called? Look at it, that Ampeep amp switcher. Yeah, I ended up buying one of those, and I built this. It's right behind you guys, but I built this three shelf system with all the amp heads on it, and at the very bottom are just like you know a couple of one twelves and a two ten. That's all that would fit under there. But uh, one of the one twelves has an EVM twelve L in it, and that's what I'm able to run the hundred waters through. And that is a spiky speaker. Yes, it is. Uh, that's uh, that hurts me thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but fortunately, like the amps stacked on each other were covering up the speaker, so it wasn't hitting me straight in the face. But it's still so loud. Wow. Ouch. I know. Ouch. But like you said, it sounded great, though, right? It really did because it, it just it has that raw sound. Because you know we were comparing it to some more modern day higher gain amps and. They just don't have that openness to them, you know. Not that it's bad either way, but that—that's a sound you just don't hear anymore. Everybody here just has a small little combo, and you know they all do their Broadway gigs with those. They're—they're they're never lighting it up, you know. Exactly. Or or they or they're running it through an attenuator, or yeah, you know, so like an Oxbox or something. Yeah. So just. So just so people know what we're talking about, here's the product. This is the new... The Ape. The Ape. It's a very, very cool product. I want one. All right. I'll send you one. Yeah, it's really cool. You have to... Like like, like we were talking about, it's it's not... It doesn't have a delay in it. You have to plug your oh, delay into it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just telling the audience. But... Um, yeah, you it, plug your delay into it, or, or you can just use it as color in front and, you know... And, yeah, and it's nice because if you, if you don't have anything to, in the loop, the input and output, they normal. So the record head becomes a gain. The uh, mix knob becomes an output, and the repeats knob becomes a treble. Ah, perfect. Right, you can all, it's weird because you can go through the guitar input and then out of the send, and it just becomes a monstrous boost. And it's all, not, yeah, and it sounds great. I haven't discovered about it, to be honest with you, but, uh, yeah, you know, the way this thing came about is uh, we always wanted to do something like that, but I never really thought about it, and then I have a friend here, his name's, uh, his nickname is Ebo, he does a lot of, like, Tom Bukovac repairs and stuff like that, but he, um, he worked with Mike Battle for years, the guy that invented the Echoplex, yeah. and Mike Battle passed away, but he has a bunch of his old projects or schematics of things that had never been released, and he came to us with this thing and said, you know, this was something that he was planning on trying to do because the Echoplex had become so popular for its preamp. And I just said, yeah, bring me what you got. And he just brought me kind of a breadboarded version of it. And we looped a digital delay through it. It worked perfectly. It was kind of surprising, but it just it sounded great because it's a real Echoplex through and through running it. Uh, you know, it's got a DC to DC converter, so it's running at 22 and a half volts. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We, it took us a while to really decide to release it because we didn't know if people would really get it, you know? But, so kind well, there have been, been a few other products that were similar, um, not exactly like yours, but at least the front end preamps and stuff. I remember the, uh, the first one I ever saw was uh, uh, one from Cinch Effects in Australia or something where he did the, the preamp front end. Yeah. Not with all the loop and everything, but, you know, he just did the preamp front end, and 
and that was pretty cool. But I, I, I like the, the, the way this one's laid out. It looks great. So Yeah, well I'll send you one when you try it. You'll you'll notice that it's kinda like I explained it, it's like it's virtual tape because you set your delay at one repeat and then hundred percent wet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work that well with delays that don't go hundred percent wet. But right. because it's kind of taking an analog reproduction of that one digital repeat. The delays kind of melt away into a reverb like a, a tape delay does. So it actually gives the same effect. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Cool. Um, but you have to, you know, like if you, let's say you use a tape delay that's already modeled after uh, um, an Echoplex, you can use it for the tape warble or, uh, you know, you have to change your delay time and things like that there. But it actually does make any of the pedals that I've run through it that are supposed to be tape delays. They just sounded better. So it's a great tool, but I'll, I'd be happy to, you know, want to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, I'd love to. So you said when you use it without a, um, a delay in it, um, uh, on one of the knobs becomes more like a tone knob. Yeah. So if you just use it as, as a, you know, in front of a delay, you mm-hmm. output, output, output to the delay input. Um, when you click the loop on, that engages basically the use of the knob, so to speak. If you just turn the pedal on, it just gives that typical coloring of an Echoplex. Yeah. You don't really have any volume control like an Echoplex. But um, once you engage that loop, then the record head becomes a gain. The, uh, the mix becomes an output, and then the repeats becomes a treble. Mm. But I really like it if I hit it. In the, if I use it as a boost to an overdrive in front of it, because it gives it that echoplex throaty sound, a really nice you know throaty mid range to whatever drive you're putting in front of it. But man, there's probably a lot of stuff that we haven't discovered with it. Somebody will probably discover because once you start plugging into the sends and the returns, they one acts as a hot output that doesn't have any. It, it can't be bypassed. The other one becomes an output where all the controls actually affect it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just an interesting pedal. I mean, there's just so much stuff out there that's just a, you know, the same thing being released in a different box a thousand times. We're guilty of it as well. But uh, just come to another overdrive. Thought it was interesting, so gave it a shot. Yeah, yeah super I, cool. I, I I totally dig it. Can't wait to try it. Yeah, yeah, and and you would use it in front of the amp. That's the bottom line. You use you're using this in front of the amp, not in the loop. Yeah, correct. Well, I suppose you could if you you know like how you put a boost through a loop. Right, I guess you could do that. Yeah, I honestly have no idea what would happen if you put it through a loop and then loop something into it. You know, like I tried looping phasers and flangers into the eight pedal, but I didn't really get results. But you can loop a boost into it, and it actually works. So, whoever gets one out there, just experiment. Plug in all the holes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you have one, though. I'm glad you have one because I don't even have one here to show. <laughs> no, no problem, man. Yeah, I'll show it again just so everybody can see. Not very, not very prepared, are you? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, he is prepared. Cheers. <laughs> so there's the pedal. You guys can grab it at Sweetwater. I'll post a link to this pedal in the uh, description of our video later after we're done. So if you guys want to grab it, click the link, all right? Cool. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Just tell him, Mark, 
uh, he called me, you know, for the setup for the show, and I literally was just playing "Living After Midnight" on my guitar through this Axe Effects, and he shows up with his Judas Priest shirt. So, karma. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. By the way, I um, be I I wanted to talk about the way we got a super chat from um, Wyatt Willis. He says, uh, "I heard Billy Squire's Marshalls on that album were modded by Frank Levi." That is correct. He worked on all of Billy's amps for uh, his entire, basically his whole career. Until Frank died, of course. Oh, yeah. huh. Interesting. Uh, also was looking at another EP uh, preamp pedal for Christmas. Then I see Jay Rocket's new release. Yeah, man, grab it. There you go. Click, yeah. click the link Mark's going to put in the video. Yeah, click the link, man, when I, uh, when I put it after the, after the show. Um, Dan Pfeiffer said, Mark, I'll be in town the week of February. Let's finally grab a beer. Yeah, man, totally. I'll be, I should be around. It'll be after Nam. Um, and yeah, dude, you, your, uh, your axe effects sounded pretty good, Chris. Oh yeah. I was showing, uh, your day, see if you can see that. Got this guitar. You see the headstock? You ever heard yeah, of Yeah, that, I know that place. Well, there, I, I took a chance on another one that I have over there. I think I bought it for a thousand bucks or 1200 bucks. And when I got it, it was a brick. I mean, heavy as hell. I think it's maple. Mm. And needed a setup big time. Didn't like it at first, but once I got it set up, I actually really liked it. So I found this one as well for like a thousand bucks. Same thing. Got it set up, and it's it's awesome for that '80s thing. I don't know their whole story. Um, yeah, and, I don't know much about that either. I, I know they kind of they sell old stuff and they sell the guitars that they make and they oh, I, I bought a pick, I bought a pickup from them once oh so this well, is the uh, the thing that's on eBay that company that sells stuff AXN okay yeah, yeah I think so yeah gotcha. and they have a website but what I one of the things I heard is that I think it's the owner or one of the guys used to work for Wayne Charvel or or Grover Jackson or somebody in the day and he kind of uh, either stole or mapped out the templates for like all the rock star guitars, neck specs and body specs and stuff like that. But if you look at them, like this guitar here is uh, the Kramer Beretta shape, basically, and then they have Strat shape ones and mm. like that. Who knows how authentic it is, but I like them. Is it made in China? No, no. Well, I shouldn't say that, but um, I don't think so. I mean, on his site, they're three, four, five, six thousand dollars for some of these. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, why, I was like, man, I found this thing used. But when I got it in, somebody had put some crazy, like, attempt at a super circuit in there. It had trim pots and stuff around the volume pot. It was oh horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, that sounds great. Now, if I, um, it had a 1984 Floyd Rose already on it. Oh, oh nice. Cool. There you go. Yeah. With a block, cool. big block on it and everything? Yeah, yeah, big. Let me see here. I think it's a big brass. Nope. Normal one, right? I don't know, man. I can't tell. You're the expert. Can you see that? Oh, that looks like a uh, a steel block. It's a yeah, big block. It's yeah, yeah. It's really pretty simple, but you know me, Dave. It's trapped in the '80s. <laughs> so me well, too, you man. Some good guitars back there that are that are super cool. Need the Explorers back there, and the... oh, he's got the he's got the Megazone. Yeah, the the. I guess they call them a Hydra. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. 
I bought that guitar from a guy who was building with or for Wayne Charvel when it was Wayne guitars. Uh-huh. I've got that and then another Wayne guitar down here, and he was just like, man, I need to get rid of these. You want to buy them? And he sold them to me for cheap. But I found out that that particular guitar was actually played by Eddie at a NAMM show. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> he made it for him for something. How true it is, I don't know, but that, that was the story. But got it for cheap, and then that Ibanez V was my high school guitar. And then, of course, I had to find the Explorer, which is the Iron Maiden guitar, right, that uh, uh, Smith played at one point. Yeah, 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 sure. And you can find it for like 800 bucks out there. Is that a, a Setnack one? So that's the uh, Adrian Smith, what? It's not an Adrian Smith model. It's the Rocket Roll 2 and... From from who was it from again? Wait, are, are, it's Ibanez. Ibanez, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but it's a set neck, right? It's set neck. Yeah, I guarantee it. I don't know where to look. <laughs> That's pretty sad, huh? Uh, sorry. No, unfortunately, bolt on. Oh wow. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Boy, they sound great, but I don't know. It was more of a. Do you guys? thing from my childhood you guys have this i do have that book i don't oh dude you need to have this it is cool dude this is all from the Jap japan 1978 tour of van halen oh, the really? pictures in here are priceless it's yeah. all pictures the whole thing it comes from japan chris but you, uh, got, you can order younger. it on the van halen uh the van halen store.com Someone gave it to me for my birthday, which is next week, and and uh, man, <laughs> there's some great pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's a great book. And it's getting to the point where I think he's getting a whole new respect as the younger generation starts discovering him. Oh yeah, could be. If you see it, can you see over my head? You can see the black and white there. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that guitar. Back in the day when Fender was doing like those $25,000 Eric Clapton Blackie guitars, yeah, stuff like that, I'm like, you know, I was never a huge Clapton fan, but uh, oh. I decided to commission this guy to uh, to build a Van Halen guitar, you know, because they really, it wasn't a, a real guitar per se. And I ended up buying the neck and the body from Lynn Ellsworth or the guy that took over his shop. And oh, wow. they gave me a certificate of authentication um that that was from the same woodstock so it's like 40 year old piece of wood the neck and the body and he said it was from the same woodstock that eddie's guitar was built from so it's a true boogie bodies neck and body which you know the original charvels were boogie bodies mm -hmm. part and so it doesn't have the skunk stripe on the back it's got that 70s headstock with the faded gibson logo on it nice so I, I actually think it's probably the most authentic van halen clone guitar out there ah yeah, it's kind of interesting. Based, cool. on, based on the woods, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, kind of interesting. Oh, there's yours, the lefty version. Yeah, the, oh, I keep going the other way. Yeah, the lefty version. <laughs> yeah, I love that guitar. Oh. I actually, I, I got mine, the body is, uh, I think, Music Craft, and the neck came from Warmoth. Okay. So, not, not from Eddie's uh, run. So, it's funny, I was going to do a little intro with, I posted earlier that, you know, you're... Your name is Chris Van Tassel, and uh, my wife's always joking because I'm such an Ed Ed freak. She's like, we should, you know, call you Mark Van Husansky. So it's <laughs> like, <laughs> or Mark Van Zansky. So uh, that's was, too Southern rock. 
Van Zansky? That's true. Van Zansky would be very Southern <laughs> Rock, wouldn't it? That is Southern Rock. That's true. You are in Florida, though. You know, all my life, well, I shouldn't say all my life until I discovered this, I thought that uh, Leonard Skinner was from Alabama, probably like everybody else did. Probably five years ago is when I actually learned they were from Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Like all those bands, like 38 Special, Molly Hatchet, all those bands were from Jacksonville. Kind yeah, of interesting, right? You know, there was a scene there. Yeah, who knew? And like uh, Tom Petty came from Gainesville, which is right, like, right over there. So I love, and I love all that Southern rock. Dave, do you like Southern rock? You know, when I was a kid uh, during like the eighties, I hated Southern rock. Uh, now I have a new respect for it. I think in my now I like it now. Now, yeah. yeah, now there's a whole new respect for it now. For me, from me. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I find they all sounded great. Yeah, that, yeah, those are great bands. Great songs written, you know. Yeah, Molly great. Hatchet, Leonard yeah. Skinner. Yeah, it was. Just, I was sad to see that uh, Ed King recently passed away. I think it was this year, right? Yeah, well, it was. Year. I actually got to play his last call down at Carter Vintage. They pulled it out of the case. Oh, really? Of, yeah, they had the Strat though there. That was the guitar for Sweet Home Alabama. What were they selling that for? I think it only sold. I mean, only. I shouldn't say that. I, I thought it would have sold for more, but I think it was like four and a half, four hundred fifty thousand. That's still. That's all. That's yeah, all. Yeah. Such an iconic instrument, though. A house. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, he was. He was really like a very low key dude. Yeah, I didn't even know he lived here. I, I learn every day. Somebody new was either moved here or already lived here for quite a while. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of people moving to Nashville. It's crazy. It's like that whole area is just exploding. It has been for years, for several years. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. It's exploding. Yeah, it is exploding. The traffic reflects it, that's for sure. Yeah. Really? I don't think the infrastructure meets the, uh, the, the, uh, the amount of traffic yet. Oh, yeah, they're torturing the uh, 440 freeway here right now, trying to widen it. So... It, I don't know, maybe the traffic's a little bit better than we think just because everything's so choked down from the construction, but yeah. It'll be L.A. before you know it. I know, 72-lane freeways. It will, you know. Fortunately, the music business is small enough, but I do believe that uh, people from every industry are moving here. I think Mitsubishi's moving here, so you're going to get that influx. I believe Amazon. I was just going to say, Amazon, I heard, was moving yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, we're seeing it. But kind of glad we got in when we did. Yeah, yeah, because the uh, real estate's going to go up as the popularity goes up. Oh yeah, well, that's cool. So it you already, know, what's that, Dave? It already has. It gone already up. has. Yeah, exactly. It has. Yeah, you got to go has, further away. Still, no, still nowhere near Florida or California. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, Florida's okay, but California's ridiculous. Yeah. California's stupid. Yeah. Jesus. It is stupid. It's ridiculous. Like a shack for a million dollars. You've got to be Dave Friedman rich to afford to live there. I don't own my own house. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, yeah, you rent. You know, I was in San Diego. I was there for 20 years. Were you in San Diego? Yeah. Yeah, for a long time. Which part? Um, kind of all over. 
the last place that I lived was kind of up in the hills of Vista. But I lived in Carlsbad for years, mm. Encinitas, Solana Beach. I was always in North County, but uh, it's a beautiful yeah. area. Beautiful. Yeah, young, going down there tomorrow. Are you? I have a clinic at Pitbull Audio. Nice. Yeah, they're one of our dealers down in Chula Vista, or yes. National, yeah. National City. Yeah, South Southern. So that's yeah. with Steve Stevens and uh, Sammy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I get to leave while it's raining, uh, bright and early at 10 a.m. to get down there for two. Hopefully. Wow. <laughs> Have you been there before? To San Diego? No, to Pitbull. No, never been to Pitbull. Yeah, it's a pretty nice shop. It's a big kind of a shop and a warehouse all in one. Yeah, that's what that, that's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. No, nope, haven't been there. Don't know what I'm doing. Going there for a clinic, and I'll say something to someone. <laughs> Just bring this, and everything will be okay. I promise. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Until I start slurring my words, and, <laughs> and then it's like train wreck. <laughs> train wreck. <laughs> Well, that'll be a great segue into talking about train wreck amps. <laughs> <laughs> I've already seen enough video of myself slurring. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to look at. I watched some videos from Europe when I was in Europe at the the, the uh, oh Hennings the, uh, the Hennings event over there, and and I'm like going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't really bad, but. <laughs> I could tell, you know, the little there was one video slur I think, on the end of your speech with Rick Hollis. I think with Rick. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah finally, I'm like, I'll talking and I'm going. This is your video. You talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's always good to have uh, immortalized, right? Yeah, forever. Over. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we're all human. <laughs> Whatever. Well, we were all having fun, and then let's make videos. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Paris Hilton said. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, you know, the very the very first um, really drunk video I ever did was years ago at the LA Amp Show, mm -hmm. and uh, Premier Guitar at the time used to come and cover the LA Amp Show when the LA Amp Show was a bigger event, and um, and. Literally, it was the second day, or maybe it was the end of the first day. The end of the day, and we we had had uh, we in the LAM shows we would always uh, fill the bathtub up with ice, and and throw a bunch of beer in there and and stuff for people, so when they came in they could get a beer and and uh, yeah, but it was the end of the day. <laughs> Like, literally the last, like, hour. And they come in the room, hey, we want to do a video. You want to do it now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let it rip. I think as I've gotten older, um, uh, the slurring happens easier. It's, 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 a weird, it's a weird thing. That's a gift, a lot less expensive, but but I, I I did well in the video. Surprisingly, I look back on it now; I, it's probably still somewhere. And I go, "Wow, that's pretty good." <laughs> Considering I probably couldn't see straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go have to search for that one now. 
Yeah, I'm sure everybody is right now. They're like putting that down. On the... yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, it couldn't be couldn't be any worse than Jake. So, see, Aaron Cram here in the chat says, "I would pay to see Trainwreck Dave." <laughs> How much? You don't have to pay. Just just go watch the Jakey Lee video. Oh yeah, yeah, that's free. It's pretty. It's exactly. You don't have to pay for that. Free. But make sure you tune in at least, you know, like after, uh, you know, definitely by the second, by the, the two hours in, that's we're long gone. Yeah, <laughs> about the two hour mark, two and a half hours. It's, it's starts to go circle yeah. the drain fast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's taking smoking breaks. It's yeah, it gets old. Yeah, it's circling the drain fast. Yeah. I have to send you guys a copy of this video. We haven't like edited it or anything, but I saw the one camera rough of it. We brought. Um, do you guys know Mark Latiri? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was Mark Latiri, Sean Tubbs, and a guy down here named Joe West, who's a songwriter producer here. That was a recording studio, and um, we set up three cameras. Had a pro guy come here, and it was on our back deck during the summertime. And we set up a couple of guitars and you know three seats, and oh, oh. they sat there, and we turned the cameras on. And the whole premise was we had about five different bottles of bourbon, cigars, and pipes, right? Because Sean Tubbs is a he's a pipe guy. He's like there are things about pipes I never knew until that night. But uh, <laughs> they're smoking and drinking and playing back and forth, nothing real serious. Uh, but as the night went on, yeah, they were getting a little bit more drunk each time. I think it filmed for three hours straight, and. I sent it to a friend of mine here who's a guitar player, and he's like, oh, my God, that's the greatest thing I think I've ever seen because <laughs> <laughs> there are things that they don't want to say, which I'm going to say on video here. But uh, Joe West goes, so what do you guys think about Jeff Beck, right? And, of course, they're like, oh, my God, Jeff Beck, he's the great blah, 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 blah. And Joe goes, I don't get it. I can't stand Jeff Beck. <laughs> yeah. Mark Fury's hammered. He jumps up, and he's like, Dilly, dilly, kick him off the edge. <laughs> like, you cannot release that video. Uh, yeah, I'm releasing it. <laughs> yeah, I have to send you the whole unedited version. And then, do you guys not know Michael Britt? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so Mike shows up a little bit later and uh, just say he had the munchies and uh, brought his own <laughs> box of Oreos and suddenly made his way on camera <laughs> like a dog staring into the camera <laughs> that's funny but that's good knew. tv right there that's there good really tv is. you gotta release the video oh my god yeah i i i would be tortured if i released it in its full by these guys because you know there were some brutal things i mean it wasn't like insulting things but stuff like that they don't want out there right, well, right. Funny though. I, I remember one time a friend of mine. Um, he he basically came out and said he probably was drunk. He was like, "I think I think John Bonham sucks." <laughs> <laughs> the whole room turns around and looks at him and is like, "We're what? gonna throw you out the window right now." <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it is what do you funny, mean? Though. We we just got all over his shit. <laughs> no doubt. How do you think that? That's crazy. He but, la he la many years later he started to see that he was wrong. 
Well, there's always somebody who's different, right? I yeah. kind of feel like Joe West is going to have that moment later on in life about Jeff Beck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. By the way, we had a question about Mark Letary, um from Dan Pfeiffer. He says, Chris, can you talk about the Mark Letary signature pedal? Very interested in getting one. Would love to hear what style of overdrive or circuit it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if he's a, a snarky puppy or Letiri fan, he, he knows that the dude is, like, the funkiest white guy ever, right? But he gets gigs. Like, I think he toured with Erica Badu, and then he tours with Snarky Puppy, and then he does his own thing. So a bunch of different styles of music, and he was just looking for an overdrive that kind of could accommodate all of that. So it's kind of a smooth, uh, warm overdrive with that built-in EQ so that he can kind of dial it in to any rig that he's got or any style of music. It, he was a big fan of the Blue Note and the Dude and uh, what was the other one? I believe it was the GTO or the Majestic, something like that. And he's like, could we, could we have 17 switches and 40 different clipping circuits? And, and I'm like, we could, but nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so we just kind of simplified it and kind of made it have a little bit of each of those flavors in it with an eq hmm. but it's a, it's a really musical pedal and i, I find it uh, i didn't know how i would like having that eq which was kind of steve stevens's idea when we did that rockaway he just said hey i use a clon into a gigantic eq is there any way you can just build it all in one we said oh, give it a shot and then uh that turned out to be a successful pedal just in its design. So we just took a different clipping circuit that we designed for Mark and used the same EQ on it. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah that, that's a great pedal too. The Rockaway Archer is a great pedal. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it, it worked, you know, sometimes you have these ideas as you know, Dave, that sound great until you put them together. I, I, I always sort of tell people about that pedal. Be careful. Um, if you want, the you know say a mid boost with eq or something cut the high and bass frequencies don't boost the mids up because you're going to get a lot more noise because you're boosting you're just boosting the hell out of everything and uh, start off with cutting the frequencies yeah, yeah if you want less bass and more mids cut the bass and cut the highs and give then you'll still have the same curve but you're not boosting a huge db you know yeah uh, that, you know it's funny you say that because we actually say that in the instructions is oh, yeah. the art of EQing, right? It's what you yeah. take away, not what you add. And take, take away first from center. Don't, yeah. yeah. Don't just jack it up because it's like, I don't know how many dB of boost each band is, but it's, I'm sure, plenty. Yeah, each band on that pedal, both pedals, is 20 dB of boost or cut. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it can get super loud. So, like, you could really. If you want to torture yourself, you can push the front end. Yeah, right. And then it just gets hissier, though. The gain yeah. structure gets yeah. kind of whack. Right, right. Exactly. So here's the pedal. I'll put, an, I'll put a link to this pedal also for everybody. This is a great pedal. I love it. Rockaway Archer. It's a cool pedal. Yeah. yeah. Steve Stevens, J Rocket Audio. Good stuff. Yeah, we kind, of, we kind of quit doing that whole signature thing, per se. Like, you know, we did the Allen Holdsworth signature pedal or mm -hmm. the whatever signature pedal. And I think it's true that a lot of players just don't want somebody else's name on their product. And so with Steve, we tried to be a little bit clever, and Rockaway came from the fact that he grew up in Rockaway, New York. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just, you know, kind of appropriate, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it fits, right? And then if you look at the melody, uh, the M and the L are blacked out for Mark Letiri and then OD for melody, right? Oh, so yeah. I think we outsmarted ourselves on that one. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool, but I, I do like them. Um, we'll probably... Uh, We'll probably be retiring a few pedals. Like it's really hard now to introduce like a trem or a standalone reverb, things like that, because guitar players can go out and buy Strymon stuff or whatever that has everything in one box for three hundred bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I just it's hard to sell a standalone trem, you know. So yeah, it's that's why that's why we're trying to get out into the DSP world so we can kind of compete there, but still have that you know warm analog front end on everything that's the hard part right right we have a uh, super chat um from harmonicaster if you put a three-way switch on a pedal that's not connected to anything will guitarists say they can hear the difference hell yeah they will. <laughs> call the producer switch and just say it's real subtle and then it's like oh yeah i hear it i hear it's doing it and you're just sitting there going <laughs> You're just laughing. Oh, yeah. that's just that's funny. Well, it's it's like whenever um, you know, like you you talked to Mark, uh, not Mark, uh, um, Chris. You talked about your amp switcher you have now, and you know, yeah, it's when you uh, use amp switchers. I do that all the time when people want to A B something or listen to something. So I do that all the time, but I always make them turn their back to it, and then we dial it in and and all that because. The minute they know which amp they're on, they will always be biased to whatever they think in their head is going to sound best. And I've proved this over and over and over again. And um, in fact, they did it today. <laughs> uh, we had so many of those Con Archer videos that we did exactly that same way because as soon as somebody sees a $2,500 Klon, against a $199 version of it, every time they're going to pick the clone because they're just emotionally connected to it. Mm-hmm. But every time we had them turn their back, they just could not make up their mind. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't surprise yeah. it's, it's just circuits and transistors. I mean, it's not like, you know, fairy dust. That's, <laughs> you know. It is for a lot of people, though. Yeah, it's true. Well, impossible to explain that yeah in the studio we would do that very thing hey uh can you bring that up in my headphones sure sure is that better yeah yeah way better didn't move move anything yeah all the time oh man Uh that's funny um hey you want to hear something actually interesting so i this i i had gotten it's in the other room but i had gotten a uh an 80s kramer uh focus 1000 which was kind of cool lefty um, but it came with a three-way switch, and I had it plugged into a Kemper, and I was playing it, and I couldn't tell what the frickin' three-way switch... I thought the three-way switch was dead, like I didn't think it was doing anything. I kept going back and forth with the three-way switch. I'm like, I don't hear a difference at all. And then when I brought the guitar in and plugged into the... Into the beat, real Into a real amp and messed with it then i was like oh okay it's a coil cut all right i got it i couldn't tell the difference on the kemper and that was surprising to me i was like wow that's that was but as soon as i plugged into a real amp i was able to tell the difference immediately 
that was shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I get the whole Kemper accent. Yeah, my old Kramer. There you go. Oh, you got the nice headstock, too. Yeah, no, I got that cool, the whatever, beak, beak neck, beak whatever neck. you call it. Yeah, for good one. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, that refretted. Oh, yeah, I got that. Somewhere in the mess over there is an 85 for Beretta. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Those are cool. Yeah, I, they heard, are. I have an old Beretta, too, from the time I was a kid. Yeah, I think I got a, um, I don't know, Dave, but we're probably similar in age, but for when I graduated high school, I got a one of the first pointy stock headstock Charvels and my parents bought it for me and they didn't really, you know, ask me what I liked. And they got me a, a pointy headstock Charvel with three single coils and a Kaler trim on it. And I'm like, I remember the Kaler trims, but wow, three single coils. Whoops. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, you know, how, what do you say? I was like, Oh, cause I wanted that Kramer Beretta, you know, the Van Halen thing all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I remember that. I had that guitar for years. I finally had it routed out to stick a humbucker in back. And those, necks, those necks were cool, though. Yeah, they were. That's yeah. what, on this guitar that I, yeah, I guess you can see it. Mm. It has a very similar neck to the early 80s, like they call them the San Dimas era. I don't even know what that means, but it has a neck like those original Charvels. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're beefy, heavy. Because um, I think some of the new stuff, I have one of the it's new. Thin. They're thin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're hard to keep, you know, diced up because they they just the next bend and hmm. especially here, right? Because it gets so humid. But uh, I actually prefer these so far out of my eighties and yours, to be honest with you, Dave. When I was playing that green one at Nam, hmm. remember when uh, you, me, and Andy Wood were just sitting there playing Van Halen looks all day? Which green one was that? I don't... It was kind of like a sparkly green. Oh, we just had, yeah, we just had, oh, we just had a, uh, yeah, it was just a Cali guitar, I think, that yeah. was this, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, you, you just yeah. know, you don't want to put them down, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have my Cali, too. That's another one of those shred machines. But uh, My Cali was stolen by an artist. Really? Yeah. Not well, actually I mean, swollen. So he swiped. Technically swollen, but but he swiped it, and I don't think I'm getting it back. <sighs> Which is really kind of sad. <laughs> Who's the artist? I can't say. Uh, he's playing with David Lee Roth. Oh, okay, I know who that is. All right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> everyone, everyone, I guess know who it is then. I just sent him a Rockaway Archer. Oh yeah, nice. that's, that's all right. That just means. He loves the guitar, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't talked to him, so I, I, I assume he didn't return it. So, yes. Well, let him play it on stage. Yeah. He's going to. Okay, that's the, that's the whole point, right? <laughs> exactly. It's in this, that's, well, that, that would be the whole point of get, you know, like letting a guitar. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just getting a guitar means please play it on stage. Otherwise, I might want to take this back. <laughs> right. right. I bet he will. Yeah, you and I, Mark and I were just talking about that last night. Um, I, you probably know him as well. A longtime friend of mine, Brian Young. Do you know him? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I don't really know him, but I know of him, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. We were talking about how he was offered the gig recently and turned it down. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. And I was telling Mark, yeah, because he plays for a band called the Spasmatics down in Austin. Yeah. And 
he makes more money with that band than he's ever made in his career. And he played with Dave for like five years. Right. Amazing. And it's kind of like that's the way it's going these days is Corporate if you really want to make money as a musician, it's not about creating music and selling it because music has no value anymore. Um, but doing stuff like that, those kind of corporate 80s gigs and stuff like that, those guys are just killing it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think I could probably sell my soul out and play that stuff because, you know, you just learn the same thing. You don't have to be creative at all. It's kind of mind-numbing, but at least you're getting paid. Yeah. Right? Well, if you're making good money. Yeah. That's the hardest part today. Right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately... It depends. I mean, so there's some people who are like all about the art. Yeah, but ultimately you're not going to make any money. Oh. Yeah. It's not, you know, as painful as it is, as you know, Dave, on the uh, retail manufacturing side of things, I would hate to be out there trying to make a living as a guitar player. Mostly because I suck. Right. Hey. <laughs> that hasn't stopped people from getting famous, right? No, well, you know, it's funny. I watched the uh, whatever country music awards was recently on. Mm -hmm. And I said this last year, I think, as well, Dave, when we were on the show. But uh, I, I enjoyed it so much more than any pop music show because it was actual guitars, bands playing, guitar solos, amps on the stage. Yeah, I, was I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm turning country. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you know, well, well, country is you know '80s pop, hard rock now. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Def Leppard back <laughs> with, with some violins. Maybe Mark Van Zansky is not too far off then. <laughs> exactly. uh, <maybe> not. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Wear your Judas Priest shirts. Just say, but at heart, I'm truly a rocker, but I'm really Mark Van Zansky playing country. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a shirt or something. <laughs> Van Zansky. That's so funny. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. Um, oh, speaking of uh, hot products that recently, did, did you guys see the product that Yoshi just released with Boss, those headphones? Yes. Yeah, isn't it a wireless thing that goes in with an app and uh, headphones or something? Right? Yeah. yeah, it's basically... So, uh, <laughs> looked at closely, but yeah. Yeah, well, they sold out in a day everywhere yeah it's a good idea for like you know traveling yeah exactly traveling or uh just sitting That's super up. good yeah i was really i was like i i grabbed a pair i wasn't I mean, gonna I look, actually, let's, give, let's give it the boss let's give it the boss here for the last few years you know the last several you know since yoshi came back and stuff they keep product after product keep knocking out of the park you know Oh, I know. I have. Uh, let's see if I can. Oh, that crash was it. Let's see if it's well made. What was that? <laughs> We're gonna find out. I bought one of these. Oh, nice. Oh, oh yeah. you know what? They're great. <laughs> so that's great. It, it really, really works well. And uh, I, because I just put uh, a small pedal board together uh, for Sammy for the clinic. And for Nam, right. instead of bringing his whole thing out from Detroit, which is another board I built that's bigger with real pedals and stuff. And we just did it with that, a, a separate compressor pedal and, and an expression pedal on it. And, man, 
it really sounds great. The everything in it works, and it all works well. <laughs> and it's crazy because it's two hundred ninety nine bucks. Really? Yeah. I mean, everything works really well in it. I mean, the gate works really well. Everything works really well. I know. And and, and like you can set it up in a little four cable method thing with an amp and a loop and. I don't know. It sounds really good. I mean, everything, all the little effects I turned on, I'm like, well, that sounds good. Well, that drive sounds good. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, even as standalone, but Mark, you can loop in, I think, three of your own overdrives and come in via their switching system. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to get or, one. Or if you want to, uh, or if you want to do like the four cable method with it, you can. Um, you just have to use one of the loops to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's remarkable. They make a bigger one too, but like for if I were gigging here in Nashville, I'd have one of these and a couple of drives through an amp. That's all I'd need. Mm -hmm. So easy. Sad part is it's still in the box a year later because I don't ever play, but I have a buying problem apparently. <laughs> don't we all? I mean, it's well, yeah, yeah. I have a whole. Uh, three drawers of stuff of pedals and stuff that's sitting over there and um you know that yeah. i looking at going you know i could just pick my favorites and sell the rest <laughs> i mean they're all good all i everything i have is good it's just well what's my favorite and then i have to decide though that's the problem yeah and that's the problem with guitar players is your favorite changes every five minutes you know and sometimes i, mean, I, I know yeah. that Bought the same pedal three times. Bought it, sold it, bought it again, sold it, bought it again. I've I've done that. I don't, I'm not. You know what? I'm not so much that way. Uh, I find uh, if pedals speak to me from the beginning, if 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 I plug it in and go, I go, wow, I love that. Yeah, that's a keeper. Yeah, if I, I plug it in and go, well, it's a phaser. Okay, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> that's why those things are so hard to sell. No matter how good a phase or a trem sounds, it's like it's just not a, it's a mainstay in a guitar rig. That's why it's always overdrive. I think overdrives outsell everything like fifty to one. That's oh amazing. yeah, Absolutely. there's so many choices though. It's it's amazing. Well, you know, I, I think Dave, you're you use uh, Rick Hamill for repair work down in San Diego. I do use Rick Hamill for all the stuff that I I hate touching and and don't want to deal with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Rick's been one of our designers for years. Um, yeah, I've probably known Rick for 30 years as well because he's so – he's just a flipping brilliant guy. But he's oh, so he's amazing. He is. He's so patient with that stuff. And um, I, in fact, I don't know if you can see it. Do you remember these? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He – I've got that. I've got the blue Echo Drive and then the red Echo yeah. Drive. Yeah. Have you ever seen these, Mark? No, what are they? So, I mean, it's massive, right? Like, I don't know if I have another pedal here for reference, but... All right, here. I'm going to give you a size reference. Oh, wait. Holy cow. Am I blind or what? Here's an ape. I had one. <laughs> Look at the size difference. That's a big difference, yeah. Yeah, so massive because they've got transformers and tubes and internal power supplies. It's like a little mini amplifier, right? Mm-hmm. But... Back in the day, like the early 90s, it was, uh, you know, like prescription electronics and, mm -hmm. of course, Boss, DOD. There weren't that many pedal companies. I think Klon came out, you know, like 94 or something like that. Klon came out. 
Yeah, there just weren't that many. And I think literally there's over 6,000 pedal companies banging out pretty much the same stuff everybody else is, right? Just a different look. That's and it's just... like, oh, God. It's like, well, I mean, amps probably the same, probably not as many, but um, trying to stick out a, amongst the crowd of all these people is, that's tough. Because, I mean, you go back to this stuff and it's like, this stuff's amazing, but who would put a pedal the size of their head on a board anymore right <laughs> well that, that that's true but you know then there's still something to be said for how good this the pedal sound you know and, and yeah there's a lot of pedal companies and they, a lot of them do quite you know they do a nice job at what they're doing and mm-hmm. but there's definitely standouts you know the ones that really shine for for me i'm all about it having some sort of um mojo to it so to speak yeah. you know it, it's got to have some sort of um juiciness or quality when you play it that just just adds a richness or adds some sort of something and and if it doesn't it falls really flat for me it's like oh yeah it's just another fucking pedal <laughs> great <laughs> it's true you man. know and you you find the guys that are engineers but aren't guitar players yeah 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 and you find the guys that are more on the guitar player side and less of an engineer and then you find the perfect balance not that that's better or worse but i kind of find the ones that are built by engineers they don't know what guitar players are looking for right no yeah that's the thing and and then also sometimes there's a disconnect if they don't play guitar yeah it's a complete disconnect you can't explain it to them either yeah. Well, what do you mean you want it more juicy sounding? <laughs> uh, how do you explain this? <laughs> you know, uh, how do you explain that? You know, I mean, like a guitar player might understand that, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. I think we should, uh, all, we should all put a vocabulary book together of yeah. guitar speak, right? Juicy. Yeah. Right? Juicy. Yeah. <laughs> juicy. What are some of the... It's got hair on it. Wow. <laughs> but everybody knows what it means if you're a guitar player. Right. Right. Say that to your wife and they're like slapping you. <laughs> it's gritty. Yeah. There's all kinds of different words. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see that chart that was going around the internet for a while about it was like a flow chart on when somebody borrows gear from you? How if it makes it to a certain level, it becomes theirs now? I haven't seen that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, what is that level? Yeah, I think I think I, w- I want to know what the level the level is of when some client leaves gear with you. Uh, and how 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 many years does it take before it's yours? <laughs> yeah, I, this thing actually kind of intelligently uh, maps that out for you. Well, I, I sort of, I sort of have my own version of that. If it's ten years, it's mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I couldn't believe. By the way, I just want to say hi to Sean Tubbs. He's in the house. What's up, Sean? Oh, hey, Sean. And uh, Michael Nielsen was in. Moist. There you go. He he added that. He added what? I can't see anything. That that tone is moist. <laughs> That's moist. Thanks, thanks, Sean. <laughs> I, I understand. Sean, we need uh, you should have been over here with me. Pipes, bourbon. Yeah. Good times. Pipes. I'm Scott. 
Mark Mark probably still has that bottle of scotch, don't you? Actually, my daughter took it to school. <laughs> ah, okay, good for her. She's 21, so she took it. <laughs> I said, all right, enjoy it. There you, you go. tell her done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if they drank it. I, no. I can't imagine college kids drinking, you know, triple malt scotch. I know. I think, I think there's some sort of... Uh valuable lesson in the fact that when you're young you're drinking the crappiest alcohol you can you know the boone's farm and the, mm-hmm. the daniels you get Schnapps. the dog yeah oh god i yeah. can't even see that without getting sick md 2020 yeah <laughs> oh god yeah and i i just remember i don't know probably in the last five years started trying high quality drinks i had so my son uh plays hockey as everybody on facebook knows but one of the dads is a uh, scout for the Marlins. And so he has to go to the Dominican Republic all the time, or used to. He, I think he got removed from that territory. But, man, he would bring home these high-dollar rums. Mm. And when I think of rum, I think of, like, coconut-flavored Malibu rum, you know? And it just makes me want to throw up thinking about it. <laughs> he brought this stuff home. and It was amazing. Like, unbelievably good. And you have to learn, like, you know, of course, when you're young, you're just drinking to get drunk, whereas we do this because we actually like the taste for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But it took me a while to learn that, that, you know, there actually is good tasting stuff out there. Yeah, there, there is. Although yeah, I can't say I can't say I'm I'm a uh, I have the palate for scotch yet or whiskey or anything. But Mark, we're going to get you really drunk and now we have to. Yeah, yeah, we will. All right, that's fine. I just want to see this. <laughs> he hasn't seen me let loose yet. That's all right. I will. I will. I just haven't done it on video. High <laughs> end tequila. You're gonna. You're gonna. Yeah. There you go. That'll take. That take you out quick. <laughs> I haven't done that in years. So that, it's that, good. Though. We had we had our housewarming party here like seven years ago, and we bought some super high it's like this big bottle uh almost looks like a ceramic bottle with blue flowers and stuff all over it it's like a hundred yeah that's uh casa azul Mm. okay yeah that stuff's amazing huh yeah well when i was oh yeah that is like the most caramely beautiful tasting that's really good yeah when i was in college it was like for whatever reason we um drank mezcal that had the uh, the worm at the bottom of it, right? You know, just because it was like, oh, we got to get to the bottom of the worm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyway, speaking yeah, of well, gear, oh, what was that Chris? Yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say because living in San Diego, right? When I was under the age of you know legality, there we would go to Tijuana when it was safe. Oh wow, that was what it was all about, right? Drinking the tequila with the worm at the bottom. Right. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's funny. Good times. Um, did you see that video, Dave, of uh, Stephen Fryette? That guitar player returned to him an amp, a power amp, from 25 years later? Yes. Uh-huh. I did see that. What is guitar that? Guitar Player Magazine had an amp for 25 years. Did he want his money? <laughs> he returned it to him. Was that what it was? He wanted his money back? No, he didn't even know. No, he, he didn't know. He didn't even realize. He, he thought forgot. it had been returned years oh, ago. I see, I see a borrowed amp. I thought you meant like a customer was just returning it. Yeah, like, no, it was for like a review, like a, a review, and it returned 25 years later. 
in box. pristine condition. It was like just taken right out of the box. And <laughs> it's like they that found it. Got put months. on a shelf somewhere and never, never got sent. And Isn't that crazy. Yeah. Apparently, he didn't miss it though. No, but I'm sure he's yeah. glad that he yeah. has it now. What is that? Like a four thousand dollar amp? I mean, it's well now, <laughs> not then. True. So, so it was a VH yeah. amp then. Yeah, yeah it, was it was a, a VHT. V- Twenty-one fifty in purple. Wow, those were great. I yeah. wish I so I, we have a dealership out here. Oh, what are they called? Shiloh Music, kind of way outside of town. And they posted it up on Facebook that they had this monstrosity of a rack, one of those big refrigerator racks for sale for fifty bucks. I'm like, oh my god, I got to get that thing because I've got all this old rack gear and nowhere to put it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I told them I'd take it, and then they sold it for twenty bucks to some dude that walked in. Oh, and, oh no! And go try to find one of those. I, don't, I have no idea even how to find one of those anymore. An old rack? Yeah. Uh, they come up out of here. Search a Craigslist. I found a couple. Yeah. yeah, I think this thing must have been six feet tall. It was crazy. It was great for like. I, I try to collect some of that stuff. Like I've got. You know, the usual, like the Marshall JMP1, I think is what it's called, that preamp, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's one that was really rare, and I've only seen a few of them. They're called ACTs. You remember those? Mm-mm. Yeah. They, I think they were made by, like, uh, Hafler mm-hmm. or some somebody that worked for Hafler. And then I've got, of course, the old uh, ADA MP1. Uh, yeah. What else? I try to collect those things because I think at some point in time people are going to want them again. They were cool. They had a great sound. You might have a buying problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I admit it. Uh, yeah. I, trust me, I've got a buying problem too. Actually, uh, I want to mention a friend of mine, uh, Adam Gutman. He gave me, uh, although I have to get it fixed, he gave me a ADA MP1 preamp mm-hmm. from the 80s, from the late 80s. Um, yep. so, uh, Dave, I actually brought it over to a local place here. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to see if the guy said he's fixed them several times. So. We'll okay. See. Well, there you go. It probably won't cost much. It'd be fine. Well, you got it for, I got it for nothing. So, so. Uh, you know, if you spent $200 on it, big deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I spent 40 bucks already, I think for whatever it was for one hour of labor, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can fix it. Do you guys have a favorite preamp from that era? I haven't played many, quite honestly. But the from ones... the eighties, from the eighties era, or a little later, or well, just, I mean, it, the whole rack era, right? It kind of died out. What in the late nineties? Well, I'm I'm biased a little bit. I would say a uh, four channel original Ignator IE four because I was involved with it. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, that was a good one. It was very popular. It became very popular with all the studio musicians out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that was that was great. Um, you know, original Soldano preamp. Yeah, the motorized one? Or no, no, not the motorized one. The X88, the three-channel one. Okay. How about uh, the Affler Triple Giant? Remember that one? Yeah, so that, that was the, uh, you know, the... Um, the, the Haffler version of the original Bogner Triple Giant, which was, uh, you know, which Bogner had made. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. I'll never uh, forget. Bogner, 
fish was better later. Yeah, I agree with you there. I had one of those Mesa Studio preamps. That's what they called them. You remember that thing? Great clean sound. You what? Great clean sound. Yeah, I could never get that thing to sound right on the overdrive side. Oh, uh, clean sound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so Dave, this, had, uh, so this this was the uh, the one you worked on. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, that's the slightly later version. The first ones were red. But that is a uh, uh, the the preferred color for me. But hmm. um, uh, yeah, why is it for sale? Yeah, how much is it? Fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, that's it's probably the going rate to be honest for that. Really, yeah, those twenty two nineties. Yeah, too. that's cool. I have one here. Wow. A lot of that stuff's going up in value, though. You find the right ones. Like, you cannot find a uh, Rocktron Intelliverb. No. Did, save your life. Yeah. You can't find them anywhere. Have a look. Why? What, what's what's so good about that? Well, we used to use those all the time. So so first came the Intellifex. Yeah. And then, and then later, um, the Intelliverb came out. So it was essentially the same type unit. But with the IntelliVerb, you could get twice the length of delay times. Because the uh, to do stereo delays, like to do ping-pong delays, a lot of people would do like, you know, 250, 500, 300, 600, you know, different times like that to do a, a stereo delay with two separate delays, with separate repeats, separate, you know, everything. And the original IntelliFX only went up to 400 and... 25 milliseconds per side or something, or 450, something like that. It's been a long time. Yeah. But the Intelliverb came out, and you could do, I forgot what it went up to, but you could do long, long ones. And and they just work great. I mean, they, they, they had an analog. Um, the drive path was a, a basically digitally controlled analog. Um, had a hush in it. It just worked. It worked great. It sounded amazing. The effects sounded great. So I, I put those in a lot of rigs over the years, uh, back when they were available, you know. Wow. I, yeah. I wish something like that was available today, to be honest. Yeah, I kind of wish the whole rack gear thing would come back to a degree. Obviously not as the mainstay, but it's just convenient, right? Yeah. Part of it is coming back, I think. You know? Yeah, you have like the Axe Effects rack stuff and the Kemper rack stuff. And the Axe Effects is amazing. Like, all the effects are great. Um, and for for the price, it's a hell of a piece of gear. Yeah, I am. That's what I hear. Yeah. yeah, a lot of guys are using using them in the, like the loop for the effects, like you said. Yeah, well, I get it, man. The guys around here that tour when they use the Kempers because of the convenience. Mm. Yeah, and when you hear them play live, it literally sounds like a recorded guitar coming out of the PA system. But still doesn't replace an amp in a room or that that feel but uh i totally get it if i were a touring musician i'd use something like that i'm sure yeah i guess it depends on your budget and you know convenience factor but uh i don't know who who was it that came on and said uh i think it was rick beato who said uh just get a get a roadie <laughs> <laughs> just so. as expensive you know they make left-handed axe effects mark so you're in Oh, wow. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
I've been looking at those left-handed campers and <laughs> it's funny. Oh man. I posted recently. It was like, uh, the, the most common response when someone posts, when someone is a left-handed guitar player. Oh, you're lefty. Uh, Oh, Jimi Hendrix was lefty. Oh, Kirk Cobain was lefty, and the, you know, or or the the best one is uh, oh, it's backwards. <laughs> or wow, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would not that would not or, be good. Wow, that sucks for you. <laughs> I, I have to admit, it looks bizarre when I watch it. Like when you see Eric Gales play, it's like what? Yeah, it's, it's just oh, well, well, wait, Eric. Gales is just on another planet, also. Oh, uh, I know. But, but just just to watch it, it's like whoa. It's even worse though because it's not only is it left-handed, it's strung righty. Yeah. And and to watch his the when he's playing and doing licks and riffs and and you're just looking at it going, I can't look. I know. I know. That's exactly. What <laughs> Looks I mean. all wrong. It's all backwards. Yeah, your brain explodes. But it's kind of cool to watch. It's kind of like my son watches these. <laughs> They're called satisfying videos where somebody's like slicing soap, you know, in patterns. Have you ever seen those? Yes. Yeah. 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 Or those I have to say, Eric Gales, Eric Gales is probably one of the best guitar players that I can think of right now. Oh, he's ridiculous. He's just a monster. I, uh, one of the NAMs probably three years ago, we went to the Eminence party. Yeah. It was all the hot shots of guitar player world. And he came later. After all these guys were playing, and they were all phenomenal, and then he gets up there, and you could just see every one of them just shrunk back, like, "Oh yeah, he owns the stage." Oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it's. You know, the thing, the thing about him is not only this, this. He plays with that reckless abandon, you know that 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 fire and that edge. Yeah. That. Most people don't anymore. Like you know, he not he's not like Eddie, but Eddie had that recklessness to the playing where where you didn't quite know if he was gonna screw it up, you know. Just like played with that fire and 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 the the, the real greats always played with that kind of fire and stuff. And and I think he's he's re really great. You know, we had that almost exact conversation not too long ago, and we tried to come up with a list of guys that would fit in that category, the guys that played with that just ferocity that just commanded their instrument. And there really aren't that many. I think we came up with, you know, of course, Eddie, Eric Gales. Um, I thought Gary Moore in his rock and roll days was yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah. Stevie Ray. Yeah, but that was more Stevie of a easy Ray. thing. But I get it, yeah. Who else would you put in that category? I don't think there's too many. Well... We're not just talking about shots. We're just talking about the veracity of how they played. I mean, Pete Townsend. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, uh, and Jimmy Page to a lot of extent. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, you something could be said even. I think Hendrix clearly. Hendrix, of course. I mean. Um. um Anybody? Yeah. Eric Gales that would fit that bill in your your mind. Anyone today that plays with that kind of, you know, it's it's about how a guitar player attacks the guitar for me. Mm -hmm. it, it it's it's like how do they smack a chord? You know how, what, how, 
I think to a degree, Josh Smith fits in there. I mean, for his style of music. He came and played here, um, I don't know, about three weeks, a month ago, and we went and saw him at that uh, Two Hippies, Two Old Hippies place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's got his thing. It's definitely blues-based, but, man, how he was able to play those strings is just phenomenal to me. But he, he plays with some pretty good intensity, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are two other guys that I just thought of. Um, one is Dave Black. Well, yeah, Dave Black. Less known. What's that? Less known. Less known. But he, yeah, I saw a video Less of him. Known. But Dave, he's Dave. Dave was famous. Uh, uh, well, he was a famous guitar player out of Detroit. That uh, is a friend of mine. Um, that um, had a band. He was in that Decline and Fall of the Western Civilization movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was in the band Seduce out of Detroit, who got did one major label record um, on IRS Records, which was for Stuart Copeland's label. Um, but you can't describe the kind of. Um, there was a recent article I think I put up on on my Facebook about that was written about him, and you can't describe the impact that they had in Detroit. Yeah. It, it, they made a scene there that was. They would just forget it. No, no one could play after them. No one could you know, play before that. I mean, just they would just lay waste to everyone. Mm. And he plays with such a uh, he's so ferocious with his playing. Yeah. What was the name? And, uh, and, and Seduce. Huh? I didn't hear. I'm sorry. Seduce. 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 Okay. It, yeah, I mean, like when I grew up in the '80s, I used to go see him all the time. And uh, I mean, I mean, they would be packing these. I mean, they'd be. Uh, there's a famous rock club there called Harpo's, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they would play two nights at Harpo's sold out, and that's like a three thousand seat, you know, venue. And this was this is a local band we're talking about, you know, like mm -hmm. so they were uh, they created a scene there. That was that their their world and their turf. Well, and, they, still, uh, they still play live too. Oh, do they? Uh, they yeah. still they still play to this day. Uh, yeah, I mean they do a show or two a year, you know. And uh, they just played. I would just saw him in Detroit when I was there, and yeah, it was packed. That's the video I saw, and I was like, "Damn, that guy can play, man!" He, yeah. There's something about Detroit and amp builders too. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man. I mean, so many of my favorite amps came from either you, Eggnator, you know, Danny Russell. Yeah, sure. Danny Russell, uh, Guy Hedrick. Yeah. Um, well. I mean, like Joe Naylor wasn't an amp guy, but yeah. that was Danny Russell's design. Well, it's just it's just the it's just the town. It was a rock and roll town, and yeah. you know, and and the funny thing is, a lot of that started with that band. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it went back further than that, but I mean, a lot of that in the early '80s it started with them there, and it was just like, you know, people are like, "What is he using? How is he getting that sound? What the hell is going on here?" What was he using back then? Uh, he had a very interesting uh, thing that they did. There used to be a, an old amp guy there named um, Fast Eddie. I, I don't know the, his whole name. Um, this was actually before my time, kind of. And he used to take Marshalls and put a, a post-phase inverter master on it. And then he put an insert effects loop in, which is just passive. And then, and then what Dave would use was this uh, DBX-118 compressor and it would go in this insert loop mm -hmm. and it would literally just hammer the 
the amp pretty much and it just sounds it has this sound this exploding sort of tone and um real raw and really really cool um he still uses them to this day <laughs> that's cool you know there's a guitar player i have to say that uh he's down in san diego and you probably know him uh jeff snyder you know him yeah i know i know jeff i remember when he yeah yeah sure i knew jeff he worked at Hafler years ago yeah yeah, yeah. made yeah. snyder amp he is a just a, a vicious guitar player yeah ferocious yeah he's a, he's a st louis guy but he and rick right hamill had the mm-hmm. jeff's guitars together or at mm-hmm. least rick worked out of that but yeah to this day he's still one of the guys that i i always remember as just being that guy that can just squeeze everything out of a guitar mm-hmm. not too many of them i mean there's a lot of great players here in nashville but um they're very um I don't know how to put it. I mean, they're they're amazing in their knowledge of playing, but they're very controlled. Right, reserved. Yeah, yeah. like Tom Kovac is really like if you if he goes right, because he came from Cleveland, you know, total rock and roll town. Um, he can play anything, but uh, he's one of those guys that's just fun to listen to because he just, he's a piano player, a really good piano player, and you can hear that kind of a thing. I think in a guitar player that really understands piano, but he's a great player. Hmm. Um, you ever listen much to him? I haven't. No, not really. Yeah, look him up on YouTube. He's just kind of an understated guy, but he's, they call him the session man because he's on just about everything. What's his name again? Tom Bukovac. B-U-K-A-V-A. Session guy, mainly. Yeah. Huh. He's been on the road with, uh, like, Bonamassa and, you know, a lot of guys. Uh, I think a lot of guitar players know who he is, but mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's he's just great, really <laughs> musical. But yeah, I don't know. There's there's guys here that are just amazing. Like Guthrie Trap is just phenomenal. Yeah, well, I'll never forget though. We were in uh, Germany together, and we were doing this kind of a it was a thing for Warwick, and it was kind of like a little mini Nam show for the Eastern European dealers to come see product. And we just had a man a booth, and we we're just bored out of our minds, and of course. The only thing in my repertoire is Van Halen licks. And, you know, Guthrie can play so, I mean, he's so deep with his uh, bag of tricks. And I remember Phil X showed up. And, you know, Phil's Van Halen nut as well. So he and I just started playing all this crazy Van Halen stuff just for fun. And and Guthrie's kind of like, wasn't quite clear on what we were playing. So I started playing, you know, Van Halen tunes. to So he kind of associated what we were doing. He's like, how the hell have I never heard this guy? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> what? But it just kind of tells you, like, he, he grew up in the, you know, the Florabama area, you know, down by Destin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was a, uh, I think he was like a child prodigy on the mandolin. I think he won like a national mandolin competition when he was 13. He's just one of those guys that's just freaky good at everything he, he plays. Mm-hmm. He just came up under that umbrella. So he was probably just never really exposed to it. But I think when you're exposed to, like we're talking about, the guys that just play with ferocity, I think there's just kind of an animalistic thing that resonates with just about any guitar player. Mm-hmm. Like when you see a country guy, you're just blown away by all that crazy chicken picking and yeah. stuff. But it, but it doesn't have that visceral <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah. Technically, it's really cool. It's like watching, you know, I don't know, Guthrie, Govan, or, you know, the technical wizard guys, it's really cool to watch, but does it capture you? And I'm not saying he doesn't. I think he does some really cool stuff, but 
the guys that just 100% relied on that ferocity to, to write their music around and their guitar tone came around everything like that. Those are the guys I love. I, I love Malcolm Young, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Angus totally, yeah. you know, you know who I saw who put me to sleep and I, and I'm actually, I like his guitar playing. I like his music, John Mayer. Just, just so just, I, I don't know. I just, I fell asleep at his concert. Honestly, yeah. I did. I really did with my wife. <laughs> it's just like, and I, either that I'm just getting old, but this was like 10 years ago. So is you know, like it was a while ago, but she was like nudging me. I'm like, I, I, I can't stay up. This is really just killing me. Um, there was nothing like, like it did, didn't excite me to watch. I saw him early on. In fact, he was my, the first date that I ever had with my wife years ago in San Diego, San Diego state when he was new, brand new. Mm. And, uh, I thought he was really good. I think he played with a little bit more energy than uh, less complacent, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I got a buddy that's been teching for him, and he was actually playing in Nashville on the exact same date, seventeen years or fifteen years later. What was it? Um, seventeen years later, here in Nashville on that exact same day, but we never went, unfortunately. Mm. Would have been fun, but yeah, I would have had a good comparison at that point. If I had fallen asleep, then I would say, "Yep, <laughs> you're right." <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't a good show, at least from my point of view. But I mean, I've seen other performances where he was more alive, you know. So, or at least yeah. Like, well, I mean, isn't that funny how the list gets really short when you start mm -hmm. thinking about that? I mean, of course, the three of us are on that list, but you know, that's where it stops. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I've been on that list for a while. Yeah. I know you just. I know you just got on it. So welcome. You're, you're on the left list. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's the other. I'm, I'm up there with Hen Hendrix and. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean Eric Gales is a great player, man. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. I just want to see him come out with like a an album that. You know, like or some music that I you know like, original music that can really be, not popular but you know kind of make him a bit more well-known sure you know, yeah he hasn't done anything like that so there was uh, one I album would... actually there was one album i think michael nielsen said he worked on that album didn't he Dave? i don't think so no he worked on a um um on um sorry mental block never mind I don't know, there was a guy named Philip Sace. Another guitar player. Um, Sace is Philip great. Sace, yeah. Yeah, there was Philip Sace, but there, I, I could have sworn I think he said that he worked on maybe Eric Gale's album, but maybe I'm wrong. But um, anyway, so uh, so what else? You guys getting ready for... Do you have any uh, cool things you guys are uh, taking an AM this year? Any new stuff? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, something. <laughs> <laughs> We played the guessing game. Is it an amplifier? I'm not saying yet. I can't say yet. There's does, a new one. Does it have knobs? It has knobs on it. <laughs> it has tubes in it. Is it purple? Uh, it could be. <laughs> I still have. What did I get? I got. I think. I thought I bought the hundred watt from you, but I think it's the fifty watt. Yeah, you bought the B fifty. Okay. Yeah, I think it's great. It's right, literally right behind you, just in case you needed to know. 
feel like I'm watching you. Ah, cool. it's, a, it's a nice amp. Yeah. Um, like, Jesus, the 100 watt amps, just they're unusable. I mean, master volume and all, they're great, but 50 watts is about all I need, especially after cranking up these old school dudes. That's just, it just torture, tortures your ears like no other amp does. That old loud kerrang of, you know, of an old 100 water. Yes. My ears itch after I. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's knocking things around in there. It really is. I, I was either dumber or smarter after listening to that amp. I'm not sure yet. We had something. The ape is kind of it. We've got, you know, like I said, some overdrive right now that's almost done. And then we've got a lot of cool stuff in the DSP world coming. But that's why NAM is kind of like E for me. Mm-hmm. I'll probably go just to watch Mark. Mark her up. Yeah. Watch me do what? We're going to take the video if you want, once you get too drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can just come hang out in our, our booth by our bar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> get your ears blown off, but after a few drinks, you won't care. Oh, I know. I, yeah. I've seen you after three days of that. <laughs> you, you have a look of murder in your eyes. <laughs> Yeah, you know. <laughs> That's funny. Even yeah. yeah, thinking thinking in my head, if one more person comes up to me and wants to talk to me, I'm going to strangle them. <laughs> it's tough, No, man. I'll talk to you. But yeah, it's tough. But, it's a tough, tough four days. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, I, it's like a, it's just a fleeting, you know, idea that comes in your head about some horrible death thing yeah <laughs> yeah and then of course amp guys have that one question that gets asked three zillion times that you have to answer of course pedals a little bit different but there's always that one question for us it was what's the difference between the gold and the silver archer i can't tell you how many times i've had to answer that question what's yours one one's silver and one's gold <laughs> that would be my answer <laughs> I know. Uh, believe me, I want to simplify it that way. Or just say, duh. <laughs> Not that, though. So one you, you sounds want... like the original silver one, and one sounds like the original gold one. I, mean, I know. It's even written on our website, but hey. Wow. Yeah, I don't, you've got enough products, though, where I'm sure you've got some of that cross-pollination where people are asking the ridiculous questions. Someone goes, L. Scott Music goes, is that what happened when I said hello? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends on when, when and when that it happens. <laughs> That's funny. I don't think people uh, who come... Look, look, this is nothing. This has nothing to do with anyone, and it has nothing to do with that. It's just that, you know, by the... Uh, and I don't mean anything by it, either. But if you had that many questions asked of you, at some point in time, your head wants to explode, and you just want to get away and hide in a corner, <laughs> right, yeah, <and> you <laughs> you know, just for a little while. Because you know, it's just like let me let me just walk away for a minute. No, just because it's just too much. It's just it's just an onslaught of you know, of oh hey yeah well blah blah. And the worst part is, uh, for me, I have a problem with. Um, I have no problem focusing on someone's conversation that they're having, but when 
when there's another conversation happening here and you're hearing it and another one here and you're hearing it, you're like kind of like, wait, what is, oh, wait, what? I, I get distracted. Mm. Yeah. And I don't mean to get distracted, but it happens, especially at NAM. Well, and, and, uh, and you're yelling out the answers for four days straight and your voice gets yeah. touched and it's yeah. a toll on you. It does. And I don't think people who come to visit understand how difficult it is when you're just sitting at a booth, booth playing or answering questions because it's so loud in there like what is it like 98 db constantly in that room yeah it could be could be yeah and you're just yelling over the top of all of that yeah yeah or you walk outside and you're trying to talk to someone and then five other people come up wanting to talk to you and take a picture sign something or do something and 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 then and it's all well and good and i'm happy to do it and that's not a not an issue but boy sometimes you just need a little break just let me walk away for a second. Leave me alone. And then you try to walk away, and then someone stops you in the aisle. Yeah, well, that's because that's you're famous. You oh. walk in my shoes. Nobody knows who you are. That's the. That's why I said, hey, show tonight, we'll get 11 people to come on and what I have to say. Uh, Most we, of them family members. We got 119 people, actually. Nice. So, 120. Thanks for everybody for watching, by the way. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't see what's on your side, so people are able to ask questions there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to go through go go through some questions and see what people have. Um, Harmonicaster said the electric guitar was invented for country music. Yes, it was. That's actually true. Uh, Lucky Licks. I recently got a Rocket Blue Note OD, older Pro Series, fantastic. Got it before they vanished completely. Uh, why did you get rid of the hot knob on the tour series? Can you talk more about the blue note? Yeah, sure. Well, that, that blue note's still being made. It, it was not retired. So if you go to our website, they're still out there. Dealers still order them. But, um, so the hot switch was kind of a, in my opinion, was a little bit of a, it didn't do exactly what I wanted it to do. Cause it just, when you, turned it into hot mode. It just sent more signal to ground and kind of gave it a false more gain thing that wasn't as natural sounding. And I'd say the majority of the guys that use that pedal used it in the non-hot switch mode. So we knew that it was, you know, a a well-received pedal. So we, we just made the tour series version of it for those that didn't really want the hot switch because when you engage the hot switch, the bottom end control almost became ineffective. Mm. so but the old one's still available and we're actually thinking about doing a, a run of 100 units of that old animal pedal with the hot switch or the snarl switch and we've talked about possibly adding it back into the tour series products i just hate toggle switches because they always break yep yeah yeah and with that tour series that was our thing it's just going to be potentiometers that's it <laughs> I, I kind of found that, at least with pedals, like amps, I think you can get w- away with it more. But the more options you offer people, the more options they have to be disappointed. You know what I mean? The simpler yeah. the in pedals. That makes sense. Yeah. Why, why do the toggle switches break so often? What do you think? Well, they just do because, you know, if they get dropped or, you know, they're just flimsy, the design to begin with. And I thought, you know, we use those mountain switches, which I think were about as good as you're going to get. But we just found that, you know, we'd have to pay for an RMA to have one shipped back constantly because the toggle switch just either failed or broke. And 
you know how it is. People will tell you that, you know, we, we get pedals back all the time where, hey, uh, this thing's fried completely. I don't know what happened. And it's like we all know that it, it got plugged into an 18 the wrong volt or the wrong voltage or whatever. But we're just trying to mitigate a lot of the things that would, you know, be s- subject to either breaking or failing. Right. So That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Brian Robinette said, Sean Tubbs, J-Rock, and OD pedal? Question mark. Oh, yeah. It's been in the works. Um, we kind of have the concept. I don't know if Sean's still in there or not. We have the concept. It's, it would be done if if uh, we got off our butts a little bit more. Like, uh, Sean has already given me all the ideas. I mean, we know what we want to do. I just have to get something here to, to give him to, you know, make sure that he gives it the thumbs up before we do it. But, yeah, that's actually been in the works for a while. Ah, cool. Yeah. Sean is a monster player. Yeah, he is. He really He's is. He's too, you know, like. You watch him, and you're just like, what the hell did he just do? Right. How many players where you can't hear? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But what amazes me is, and, and we, uh, we, you guys know Brett Papa? Yeah. That sounds yeah. familiar, yeah. Yeah, so Brett moved out here, and uh, myself, Brett, and Sean all went to lunch the other day, and we were just talking about all that stuff, and... You know, it's crazy because we hire a guy like Sean to do demo videos for us. And I think it's probably the case with the Friedman stuff that he does as well. But people aren't going to his channel to hear demos of the products. They're just going there to steal licks and listen to him play. He's just one of those players that's so different. I, I We're the other way around, believe me. But <laughs> Well, I'm sure he gets a lot of attention because of his playing, that's for sure. But. Yeah, what amazes me is when he does those videos, all that stuff you're hearing, like he's programming the drums and the bass, and he's writing all these amazing songs just to demo a product. And yeah. he, he goes way over and above. Like, you know, I think there's the handful of guys that just do an amazing job, you know, like Pete and mm-hmm. Sean. You know, we kind of use the same guys that, that have that format. And, man, it takes a lot of work. I don't know if you've ever made a video like that all the different camera angles and yeah no i'm not no that's why we pay them <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> I honestly yeah. don't people really for the most part have any clue how much work goes behind creating one of those videos oh yeah I, it's crazy yeah i mean i haven't done one and i just doing this show is a lot of work so i can imagine just filming editing oh yeah yeah. Syn- syncing up audio with video, all that stuff is beyond anything I'm, I'm aware of how to do. I, I've had more like well-known guitar players who contact me about product, and then the next thing they say is, man, that Sean Tubbs is like my new favorite guitar player. <laughs> That's because he's great. He is. Yeah, he, he really can play. And he's a super nice yeah. guy. That, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Guy. Um, Frank Pitcher, thanks for the question. He says, "Hey Chris, please give us a background on the Dude Overdrive. What was the inspiration, and where did you see it sitting amongst the myri- where do you see it sitting amongst the myriad of D types?" Uh-huh. Well, all right, I've certainly had to explain that one many times. Obviously, everybody knows that it was a, a Dumble thing, right? 
And it's, that's a hard, as you know, Dave, that's a hard thing to capture in a nine volt circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Michael Britt um, does all those Kemper profiles. And he actually had Keith Urban's Dumble in his possession for a period of time. I thought, oh, man, you know, take that time to kind of like get to know the thing. Because, you know, it's not like everybody has a Dumble available to go check out. Mm-hmm. We spent a, a bunch of time with that thing. And, of course, he was profiling it. And, and we tried to kind of cop the DNA, so to speak, of that Dumble overdrive. And that particular amp, I didn't think it sounded that great, to be honest with you. Um, it was really, really bottom heavy, and who knows if it, would, it was modded over time or not. And you know, as anybody who has ever played Dumbles or knows the circuit, no two Dumbles really sounded alike. They might have had the same DNA, but they all sounded a little bit different. Who knows if they were built different? So what we did is we kind of tried to extract the DNA of what a Dumble thing does—that smooth, tight, you know, kind of thing. And then we targeted a tone, which was the Robin Ford Talk to Your Daughter album. And we tried to kind of cop that particular tone. Ironically, we did that for not only the dude, but we did it for the Boeing Reverb as well. Because we loved the reverb on that album. And, you know, got it as close as we could get it. So that's the best reference for what that pedal was supposed to sound like. But I found it ironic years later, probably three years later, or two years later, after the dude came out, I got a call from Robin Ford's tech, or the tech that he was using in England, a guy named Simon Law. He was like, yeah, we need to get another dude and another boing. So some, and we had never told the story that that was how those pedals were designed, you know, because we just said it was a Dumble thing. But it was amazing how Robin Ford himself found his way to those two pedals, not knowing that that was ever designed <laughs> based on those two tones. That's great. Yeah. That is great. Great. That's cool. Yeah, and then that new, of course, that new HRM, you know, you've heard of that, the hot rubber monkey EQ mm-hmm. mod, Dumbles. It was, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where it was an internal EQ, if I am correct, Dave, that you could change. But we right. just, we kind of picked where we thought it sat. And so the, the low end on the hot rubber monkey is voiced completely different than the dude. So it's a little more mid-range focused, a little less big bottom end. But still, you know. How close can you get with a pedal? I, I feel like we did a pretty good job because I was able to play them side by side, let a few other people do it, and I thought it it got that thing pretty pretty close. That's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Uh, G Man Music mentioned Neil Sean. He's another guy who definitely has a uh, yeah ferocity to his playing. Yeah, what I love about Neil Sean is his his sense of melody. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah. He- ever have that like he had it uh john gershon said phil x i would agree phil x is definitely a ferocious player yeah without a doubt which by the way we might be uh doing a little phil x thingy thing coming up soon oh yeah yeah like a collaboration kind of thing yeah on a pedal nice and you know that's gonna be crazy what was yeah. his first one that he did? Fuck jazz pedal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Jazz is, yeah, the fuck jazz is dead pedal or something like that. Yeah, I think it was fuck jazz. Yeah. Uh, nobody mentions Nuno Benincourt, Jim Becker said. You know, Nuno is a ferocious player. He is. I would agree with that. Yeah. 
you know, it's just I guess whether you like whether you, whether you like a style. I'm gonna have my Jeff back here. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, he's he, he could be a ferocious player if he when he wants. Okay, I'll give him that. <laughs> I just don't get it. Sure, you don't. <laughs> no, really, <laughs> really. I've never liked Nuno at all. Oh, Nuno. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Jeff Beck for a second. So Nuno, oh. you don't get it. Nuno, you don't get it. Okay. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I, I don't know. He he was a huge, he was influenced by Eddie big time. I mean, I like his his funky chops and stuff like that for sure. Is he funky though? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Some of his stuff is pretty funky. I, I I like him. I you know. I mean, he's got some. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Well, like I think you can find Features several. Up. I think you can find several of those guys out of the '80s. Like there was a band years ago called Cry Wolf. You remember them? Yep. They had a guitar player that was, he was pretty vicious. I forgot his Chris something, I think was his name. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and then a band called 9.0. That was Ray Luzier's first band. Yeah, they, I don't remember. They were out of Northern California. They had a guitar player. forgot his name. There were a lot of guys back then that, you know. Yeah, sure. Top thing. But they just, you know, never went anywhere or disappeared. Residing in the where are they now? File. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a good question from Eric Johnson. Um, how do you become an amp tech? Seriously, it sounds like a cool job. David, you don't advice? want. You don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How do you become? Well, first of all, you got to start learning about amps. <laughs> So, you know, how do you become an amp tech? That's a very good question. Um, you, you need to have someone to mentor you a little bit or something because, uh, I mean, you can start to learn things and read about things online and different things like that and, and you know, start maybe building your own little tiny amps and start off small and then kind of work your way up. And I mean, there's a lot of resources to learn from, but um, you almost need someone to, like, help you to be honest to, to really start you off you need somebody to tell you not to stick a screwdriver back there near the tubes while it's on yeah, right? this is true That's yeah. don't stick your tongue in there <laughs> um it, it, it's like you know you almost need to apprentice with someone you know mm. to be honest and and and, and learn um I was fortunate enough to have, you know, Bruce Agnator that taught me tons of tons and tons and tons of stuff. But you have to be really motivated to teach yourself also. So, you know, you, you, if, you're, if you're really motivated, you'll figure out how to learn it. <laughs> yeah, I bet there's a lot of trial and error in the amp world. Uh, that, yeah, well, probably early on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what yeah, I mean, yeah, someone said someone said take the Agnator amp class. Yeah, that's a good way to start. Yeah. 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 So everyone take Bruce's classes. So definitely start. Yeah. Look that up. Um, I forget your name who asked that question, but yeah, look it up. If you're really interested, Bruce's class is probably the best way to go. Um, What are you going to do, Mark? What's that? When am I going to do it? 
I'd love to do it. Dude, I traveled way too much. It's just, (laughs) it's crazy. I wish I could have some, I mean, fitting Nam in is just a a hardship. It's crazy. But anyway, um, I'd like to do it one day. Uh, Wyatt Willis, to an amateur, uh, to a total amateur, seems the Dumble thing is mostly about the right mid-range content. Uh, I don't know if that's for you or for me, Dave. Uh, for either one of you uh, guys. I, it, 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 the, hmm. You have to be... What do I want to say about Dumble? Um, every amp... No two amps are alike, first off. Uh, and some are much better than others. Uh, a lot of people that have used Dumbles over the years mostly use the clean channel, actually. And with with and or with things pushing the clean channel, um, so it's hard to really put into words what is the dumble thing. You know, what is the quintessential dumble amp that will give you that? You know, I I've heard a couple great ones, and I've heard a lot of ones that aren't so good. And uh, you know, like the, my my favorite one I ever heard was Steve Ferris's. Uh, that he used to have, and Steve Ferris sat there with him forever, beating him up about how he wanted it to sound, you know. And so he got a special amp out of it. Hey, do you know Henry Kaiser? I know, yeah, I know of him. Sure. Yeah, he's got a great story because he, he owns the uh, the Dumble Steel String Singer number zero zero one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's. I think he's had four. I think he's sold a few over the years, but. Um, he has a great story because he said he was 17 and he was practicing with his band in his garage and this dude drives by on his motorcycle, turns around and comes back in and it was Howard Dumble. He's like, hey man, I build amps. You guys want to hear one? They're like, sure. So he goes back to his house, sticks an amp head on his motorcycle and brings it back. And they were friends ever since. And so he's he's had Dumble since uh, the beginning of Dumble time, so to speak. But Yeah. He did say, though, that they kind of lost touch because Howard kind of lost his mind over the years. Uh, it happens. Yeah. Like fumes, right? Could be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, trying, I'm also trying to figure out, you know, you, you would think um, the, the original leaded solder was really bad for you, right? <laughs> but all, I, I kind of think that the, uh, the lead-free is even worse. <laughs> The fumes are worse. It's well, we'll know about ten years when we interview you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Dave, how many fingers am I holding up? Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's see. We had a, a question. Uh, oh, here's got... one from Mike Nielsen. Oh, go ahead. Dave, are there multiple Jose mods? Yes. <laughs> There is not one Jose mod. There is, uh, realistically, there's like three or four of them with varying amounts of gains and different things. And I know them all. So that being said, is the whole Jose Van Halen thing a farce or is it true? Jose worked and serviced Ed's amps. I never, ever, ever in any of the amps I've ever serviced of his, which is a lot of them, have ever seen a Jose mod. Yeah. 
I've seen his mark on servicing, like you know, di- uh, like heavy duty impedance selectors and 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 you know, tubes and and just you know remote standby things like that. No, never ever ever a mod. Well, so um, <laughs> and like in this in in that book, this Japanese book, there's all those pictures of all those amps. I've been in about half of them, and none of them have mods. <laughs> Well, so that kind of, you know, me being the Van Halen freak, I'm going to start asking all the questions. But so years ago, you, you guys know Andy Johns? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The producer um, sure. passed away a few years ago. Um, so I got to know him a bit over the years, and he calls me one day, and we're just talking about the whole Van Halen thing, and he produced that For Unlawful Carnal, carnal Knowledge record, right? Yeah. yeah. And he was telling me that's the record that Ed's, you know, real his super lead blew up on and he ended up having to finish that record with a soldano which he said he totally hated it but uh that's all obviously that was not well at that point in time he was starting to become disenchanted with that marshall yeah um, uh and that's when it started passing from hand to hand trying to get it you know back but yeah, he used the Soldano that whole record. I was there. Were you? I saw it. I, I, I remember delivering stuff to the session. In fact, the cabinet that appeared on most of that came from Andy Brower's studio rentals. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was paired with the Soldano for the, uh, the, the whole entire record. Yeah. And also, at that point in time, you started seeing the PV uh, prototype up there also. Sure. So it was already, you know... He had already got the Soldano and had started using it before that record started. And I think he liked it. He liked it. Yeah, and that's just, a, those are his words. Certainly couldn't. Well, uh, I mean, it's sort of essentially yes, you know, but it, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if it's exactly that way, but yeah. Yeah, and I heard, uh, do you know Timmy Arnig by chance? No. He's, uh, he designed that pedal, the Gristle King. Uh-huh. Greg Cock uses. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he he designs amps as well, and he was working for PV, and they had that hundred watt there at some point in time. And he said he got to bust into it. And he said, "Yeah, it was just bone stock." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's funny that you hear all that stuff out there. Now, is the whole voltage <laughs> uh, running it at ninety or ninety one volts true? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I mean, it was a Marshall, uh, you know, a, a relatively stock Marshall. And when I say relatively stock, it's the stark stock architecture, maybe a part or two changed, you know, but nothing that's super drastic. No, and no, no uh, value changes, just parts changes. Well, maybe a value change, slight value change or this or that. But, um, but the thing is, I was in a lot of the amps and some of them are just bone stock, literally. Yeah, and so you know, and you know, the main one had a slight change, but uh, you know, it was a certain era amp. I, it's pretty much just found whatever amps he had and turned them on ten with the Variac and cranked up the, you know, it made the tubes quite hot in their bias. And now didn't he like sevens? The original, the original amps in the early seventies though had Muller tubes in them. Did they? If you look at all the Japan pictures from 78, uh, it's all mullards. In fact, Eddie told me that. Hmm. He used to get mullard tubes and put them in them. Hmm. 
Yeah, good yeah. luck finding good luck finding those. So I mean, you know, it's 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 just you know you know what the right guitar with the stock Super League cranked biased correctly with with the Variac and maybe or maybe not boosted with an EQ from time to time will get you that's it's that sound. Um, but so, you got to be able to play like him. <laughs> well, yeah, and now, you got to be able to actually control that beast of an amp, you know. You got to be able to do. See it, right, right. <laughs> nice. There yes. you go. And the thing, the thing, the thing is, 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 uh, you know, if you, if you, I've mentioned this before in the air. If you ever see, if you ever heard that Stephen Rosen interview from from years ago it's on youtube you can you can hear it and he's playing a clean amp and he's playing riffs from his new record which i think was van halen 2 or something at the time of this interview right. and he's playing riffs. And he's playing through a clean amp or even acoustically i'm not exactly sure completely clean and he is playing every hammer on and pull off and pick squeal and everything clean yeah yeah that's oh yeah oh, I would never it sounds just like it, and and you know and 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 they and you're like, well, there you go. It's not. It's his. You know the hands. Yeah. DNA. Yeah. Now, Dave. Well, quick, if, sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Left-handed, then. Then you're in trouble. It's in the hands. Yeah. Well, that's true. I, I've been working. I've been working this left hand for a long time. So. Well, careful. Don't get too hurt. <laughs> Um, so Dave, quick question on the, on the Van Halen setup. Did, did he slave an amp? So he didn't really run his, his, uh, his Echoplex through the front of the amp. He was actually slaving, slaving. No front. Okay. Originally. I mean, ladder, ladder, he started slaving things and, and running post delays and stuff. But when that started exactly is a little foggy. But I'm, I'm talking like it's all in front, man. It's just okay. all in front. I remember talking to Rudy. Someone mentioned name dropping. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember talking to Rudy Laren and about that literally, and I asked him about it. And yeah, he just goes, "No, it's just like Marshall, everything on ten, the Variac, and and it was all the stuff in front of the amp. Noisy as hell." And if you hear if you hear the echoplex, it's cl it's clean repeats. It's not you're not hearing distorted repeat. It's, yeah, when you hear it on the record, you it, you hear the repeats are. I mean, echoplex is a little grittier than a normal delay, so it's it's you know has a little grit to it still, but it's 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 there. Yeah, it's in front. Yeah, yeah. cool. Sounds great too. Um, yeah. Noisy as hell though. Had to have been noisy as hell. I yeah. Guess. yeah. Well, Hissy. I mean, Hissy, who, yeah. What was, that, what was that amp maker uh, recently that made that amp that had the built-in Variac? Forgot his, forgot the name of that amp. It was, a, it was the guy's last name. No. no. Well, John Sir has an amp that has a built-in Variac. No. Before those guys. Yeah, it's a funky last name. Can't remember. I was just curious if that worked. I mean, if you do that in an amp, don't you have to make precautions so you don't fry tubes? No, the Variac going down doesn't fry anything. Really? So no. if you 
you hooked uh, like this 70 Marshall I have up to a Variac and dropped it to what 90, 91 volts? Is that what it was? That won't hurt it. Well, right. it actually, it actually saves the tubes. So then, what was like? This has become an interview day for even about Eddie Van Halen night, but um, I heard that Eddie fried his tubes all the time. Well, okay. So here's what I, here's here's what I was told. Um, in the old days, they just have a box of tubes, right? Right. And if a tube went bad in an amp, they would just pull one out of the box and shove it in the amp. No regard for biased or match sets or anything at all. And these amps were running full bore, you know. Right. So, uh, so you know, tubes could be way out of bias range and could be, and they could red plate. And if they red plate, they could literally take out a transformer and and you, you could do all this at, at various times. Ed could also have been turning the variac up yeah. or down. Either way, you know, like, um, so at one point in time, Jose actually matched tubes for them. So they'd have match sets, and then those were put into the amplifiers, and then, then they stopped blowing transformers. Ah. So that's what I was told. That makes right. sense. Uh, I know, Dave, you got to run in just a minute, um, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I just want to make sure. Um, <laughs> he's like, right? Yes, sure. I have to leave. <laughs> well, yeah, I got I got I got to go somewhere. <laughs> okay. uh, I got a few minutes. Kev eight oh five five. Thanks for the question. Is the Rockaway Archer pedal the same circuitry as the Archer pedal plus the EQ? Yes, except it's true bypass. Okay. All right. And then I'll uh, have this as the last question for us. Uh, Wyatt Willis with the super chat. Thank you. Uh, Dave, if you've ever seen one of their anything special. Wait, wait. I mean, I, yeah, that's, that's a tough. Dave, if you've ever seen one of their anything special or different about Frank, Levy mod, Frank Levi's mods, do you share a similar philosophy for high gain modding marshals, obviously with your own way of doing it? Well, huh, how do I answer that? Uh, you know, what I've seen, the Franks, they weren't extremely high gain. They were just little tweaks to get a little more gain out of kind of like an 800 sort of circuit. Um, uh, so, you know, they were by far not the gain level that we're at these days. You know, it was a much, much more uh, a sane amount of gain and probably better amount of gain. Um, it's all very similar. It's just gain stages cascading. It's all the parts you put in between that that make up how much gain it has or the tone of it. Um, so I don't know if that answers anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tried. <laughs> no, he basically wanted to know: was there anything special about the mods? So. I don't think anything special. I mean, I think I think some of the ones I've heard, and I haven't heard that many. I mean, I played Slash's one uh, and worked on his amp, um, and I thought it sounded uh, really good, um, bright but very good. So I, I have a last question for you, then, Dave. Is there <laughs> interview, <any> Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Social Security first, please. Um, 
Did you, uh, are there any amps, you don't have to name amp builders per se, but is, is there anything out there that you've ever looked at that you were kind of like blown away or impressed by because it was a unique design or do you feel like everything else is just kind of, you know, it is what it is. There's not a whole lot you can do other than the obvious. You know, there were some unique, unique ideas and designs in Danny Russell's stuff. Okay. Uh, Danny approached things definitely, definitely differently than most people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think he's, uh, brilliant in what he did. And, and I think, um, I think a lot of his designs are really cool. I mean, like the nailer amps are great. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of his unique, unique from generally unique and some unique ideas from, from the traditional, hmm. uh, ones. I mean, I know you have, what do you have? The, the, the 45 or something or what the belch, Belchley, yeah. Beth, Belchley, Belchley, yeah, the belch fire 45, which is yeah. kind of like a Just his take on a JTM 45 kind of thing. Yeah. But with EL 34s and then I've got the one that's called the bomber 50, which it's kind of like if you took a nailer and a Marshall and made it. Up. Yeah. I think the bomber 50 was the, the kind of the upgraded nailer circuit, so to speak. Yeah. The, the, I'm guessing I haven't, I haven't seen one in person or played one in person. Yeah, they they are different for sure. A little more on the Marshall-y side because you know how nailers are really fat and warm and thick. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. this, this one's a little bit more snarky, a little more Marshall-y, but it, they're both great. They're two amps. Like people are always like, "You gonna keep those?" I'm like, "Yeah, those are two amps that I will keep." <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't know if he's making amps anymore. I don't know either. I mean, it's, I think he still has a website up about it, but I, I don't know. Well, you know, years ago, and I may have told this story before, um, you know, Dave King and I are, are good friends when I lived in Dallas. Um, and Dave was building them because he bought them from, uh, what was his name, Kyle? Yeah, Kyle Kurtz. And I think along the way, Kyle had some sort of a Band-Aid fix on one and just started building them that way, where one cap on the treble was like a hundred times larger than the original nailer. So there was an era of the Dallas era nailers that people said, oh, they just sounded like crap. It didn't sound anything like the Detroit era nailers. Well, I ended up uh, putting Dave in touch with Danny, who obviously doesn't have a fondness for his whole um, experience with nailer over the years, but yeah. he agreed to help Dave fix it, and he did. And it was just that. It was one cap. I don't know where it was, but it was like a 100 or a 1,000 times bigger, some crazy thing. And so now the current era nailers sound just like the original Detroit ones. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've, I've I have found that his amps have been some of the some of the very few that I'm just like, yeah, those are amps I'll never get rid of. Yeah, well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, oh, by the way, um, you were asking about Variac in an amp. Uh, Metropolis makes an amp also. George Metropolis. Yeah. Set Metropolis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to wrap up because I know that uh, Dave's got to leave, um, and uh, so we're going to have our next show. Um, I believe uh, I got to square it away with Dave, but I think the next show is on the twentieth before we hit the holidays. Um, so look out for that. Check out our Facebook page. Please subscribe. Uh, go to Sweetwater, please. Buy J Rocket Audio pedals, Friedman gear. 
Um, and Chris, thank you so much for coming. Or whatever on the show. hell else you want to buy from Sweetwater. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get the Bose. Get the Boss headphones if if you can, even though they're yeah. sold out. Um, Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, of course, anytime. And Dave, I'm going to get you an ape for Christmas. All right. Oh, cool, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'll send you out. Awesome. I want to check it out. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Let me know what you think for sure. I certainly want a uh, uh, a guy with the experience you have to uh, give me his opinion on it. Yeah, can't wait to check it out. Really. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Fun. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, um, and we'll be back soon. And Chris, thanks again. Check out J Rocket Audio. And uh, Chris, hang on just while I hang up, okay? All right. Cool. Take care, everybody.